Welcome to In In It It Together. Together. I'm Jay. And I'm Courtney. And this is our podcast where we discuss mental health and self-improvement from a couple's perspective. Welcome back, guys. Thanks for joining us. So what do we got on the slate for today? We're going to be talking about RSD or rejective sensitive dysphoria. None of any of that I understood. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay, because if you understand me, this is going to start making a little bit of sense. All right. Well, I'm I'm all for that. So let me just say, so I did a, a video on TikTok and it blew up and people want more information about RSD or rejective sensitive dysphoria. So I was like, okay, let's make a podcast on it. So I just want to preface this, that RSD is not a medical diagnosis. You do not need to get diagnosed. You don't need to make an appointment tomorrow with your therapist because those are the comments that I'm getting. It is just a way to categorize systemically specific symptoms regarding rejection and all different assets with one name. And it falls under certain diagnoses. So for the longest time, we only saw RSD with people who have ADHD, right? And now we're seeing it with people who have trauma, borderline personality disorder, and even in autism. So now is it a categorization and not so much, it's not like a symptom or anything, right? It's just, but it's just a way to categorize a lot of different. Yeah, it's a way to categorize a group of behaviors. Gotcha. Pretty much. That makes sense. Yeah. And so, like I said, for the longest time, we didn't see this here. But so a lot of people are like, well, like, what is it? So I'll explain it. It's this intense fear of rejection that brings about emotional turmoil for a person. There is no indication that you're going to be rejected whatsoever. No one's alluded to it. There's nothing down the road. But you are so fearful of rejection. It brings such intense emotions that it really interacts with you on a daily basis and prevents you from engaging in certain social activities and causes a lot of upheaval in relationships and just your overall self-worth. All right, now that's starting to sound familiar to me. Fantastic. So for the longest time, I myself, even having been a counselor, didn't know about this terminology for a while. I just realized that I was super sensitive to rejection. And so a lot of people saw that video and was like, get out of my head. How do you know me? My favorite one was, thanks for reading my diary without my permission. You know, like, how did you know these things? Well, it took some time to really start kind of looking into it. Like, you know, I am really concerned about what people think about me sometimes. Not anymore, but why is it that I'm so fearful of this, 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 and this? Now, intellectually, I understand now with coping skills how to work through it. But then I started to put all the pieces together and said, wow, all of these behaviors, which we'll go into, all circle around rejection. And what do you know? There's actually some terminology for it. Yeah, that does kind of fit you to a T, right? And you know, and, and with a lot of these things, right, you got to understand that when you're dealing with trauma, a lot of people show a lot of different symptoms revolving around or it affects them differently, right? Every trauma affects everyone differently. So you, as an individual, you might have, you, you might know someone that has the exact same trauma as you, but react to it completely different. So this is just a way to understand what one of your reactions to a certain trauma can be. And that's what I think is, is is going on here, right? So again, so just to piggyback on what you said, right? It's not an actual diagnosis of anything. It's just kind of a, a, a way, a coping skill that you've developed through your trauma. Yeah, and I wouldn't even say it's a coping skill. It's just a 
Well, I mean, I guess it could be like a coping skill, but you're not coping with anything. You're running away from it. So it just becomes this irrational fear and all different tiny little fears that all add up to one big thing, which is the fear of rejection. Pretty much where it comes from. It's this dysphoria around it. Like, oh my God, I'm going to be rejected. So this is how I'm going to handle that. And so oftentimes people are like, well, how the hell do I even get that? Like, I wasn't like that before. It builds over time. Like, for example, when you have ADHD, and like I said, it was primarily just seen in the community, you get chastised for your behavior. Why don't you sit still? Why can't you do this? Oh, you're always causing issues. Sit still for a second. You're disrupting the class. And so you start to learn that the way that you're behaving naturally becomes problematic and it upsets people. So over time, you become so fearful of being rejected that it then starts to cause issues within you. Now, it makes sense. You know, you're getting labeled as the hyper kid in class, the kid that can't sit still, the kid that blurts out things. And so then all of that ridicule adds up over time and then you become fearful of it. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so it's, it is like any other dysphoria, right? Yeah, it's, it's just like any other dysphoria. But it, it, it all comes because of these symptoms or whatever. So with trauma, let's hypothetically say, you know, like for me, you know, one thing that I, you know, I, I struggle with, too, is that like I'm constantly concerned about what people think of me. I used to be more so than ever. And it was because what people said to me, to my face, was not what they did. So I learned to mistrust people. And I learned to say, well, what they're saying about me, even if it was positive, I don't believe that. So this fear of rejection kind of starts sitting in like these people aren't there. They don't mean that they're just lying to me. And then it becomes like this big whirlwind of emotions that you deal with. You'll see that with people who have borderline personality disorder as well. Right. Yeah. And it's like you said, it, it really does sound like just a, a different type of dysphoria. Right. So, you know, just to make an example, like your body dysmorphic. What is it? What is it again? Body dysmorphic dysphoria. Yeah. Is that what exactly. it is? Exactly. So the, and that comes the same way. Right. You like you look at yourself in the mirror. Something traumatic happened for you to view yourself this way. And then all of a sudden there's a there's a trigger. It usually happens early in 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 your development. Right. Um, where you see this, 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 you know, some some traumatic something traumatic happened that had to do with, you know, the way you look at yourself. And then all of a sudden it doesn't matter how, you know, how much you work on yourself, how beautiful you may be. You still see, perceive yourself to be, you know, ugly or, uh, you know, some there's something always wrong with you. Exactly. You know, so this is just kind of this, the same thing. But instead of like, bo uh, you know, body image, this has to do with your almost your self-worth or how you view yourself or how others view you exactly so where i mentioned borderline personality disorder this can happen too because with borderline people their behavior sometimes doesn't really match how they feel and they act out and they lash out and they're insecure and then the next day they're trying to like fix up like i'm sorry that happened and so they too develop this dysphoria of rejection because they're afraid of that you know and that's that's kind of how it manifests so there's a lot of symptoms or a lot of indicators that we can well, kind of talk about. As you're talking about this, it, it, it you know it harkens back. Like I think as a child, right? You go, everyone goes through these stages, right? You go through this stage where you're you're an awkward kid, right? Like I think everyone can kind of relate to that, right? There's a time where you're you're finding your voice, finding your place. You know, we see this a lot with our son, right? Sometimes he just kind of, you know, he wants to be funny. He wants to. And sometimes he says some things that are like, you know, really, <laughs> you know, you kind of you kind of look at him like, you know, not to discourage him because you want to you want him to find his voice. But, you know, you could see that he's he's reaching for things. Right. He's he's he wants to he's he's just learning who he is. And I think that's 
what you're talking about here, right? That early, that early onset when you're trying to find your voice, when you're trying to be part of something more than yourself, right? That you're really cognizant of like, how, what do people think of me? Like, what do you, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, if, if nobody's laughing at your jokes, am I funny? Am I not fun? You know, this, that, that awkward stage that you get in, that's where this can all happen, right? Because I remember, like, again, I'm hearkening back to when I was a young kid. I remember, you know, being in those groups where, okay, you know what I'm saying? Do I fit in? Do I not fit in? And I think that's where it comes from or where it can stem from. Well, if there's trauma. So if you have ADHD or, you know, autism, you're on the spectrum, you know, you're maybe you're socially awkward. So when it comes when you are perceived to be a certain way. So, yes, absolutely. Because that's those are your awkward years. And that's what I'm saying. I think I think we're all at some point have found ourselves to to be a little awkward or in a situation where we feel that we're a little awkward. Right. But and that's when I'm where I'm going back right. to. Right. And, and some, the same thing with the body dysmorphia. It's the same thing. You, if you're looking at yourself and, you you know, we all go through these stages in our youth that we, we look at ourselves and we're like, oh, you know, I wish I was this or I wish, you know, I, I had less weight or more weight or, you know what I'm saying? You know, I think we all grow out of that stage, right? We all start to accept. At some point we grow out of that. But this is a stage that like you, it's like you get you stuck. You get stuck. Yeah. See, that all makes sense. Exactly. And it's an intense emotional upheaval like uh, let's talk about some of the indicators right so one of them is is that you of you you'll avoid socializing like you won't even want to go out and hang with people you'll be like ah nah you know you'll ghost people because it's so mentally exhausting trying to keep your faults in check because you are so fearful that like oh my god like someone with Tourette's you know if I if I go and I say this or if I do this or if somehow I have a tick or you know I say something stupid or I'm like wicked hyperactive or something like that I'm going to be rejected. There's no evidence that that's going to happen. But because you've experienced that in your past, you're now so fearful of that that you avoid going out socially with people. That's a big indicator. Yeah, I can see that as like a struggle of of someone that ha- that that happens. And I think it happens to all of us at some point in our life, right? Usually at youth. But what you're talking about here is something that kind of stays with you, right? And that's so relevant right now because we live in an age where we can so easily isolate ourselves exactly. from everyone else, right? So if you are that awkward kid, you know, um, that you can easily, you know, hide behind, you know, social media or hide behind, you know, uh, I- just complete isolation, you know? So it's it's important that you recognize, especially with, with our kids, right? Recognize uh, where they are in their development and and help along in that process. But uh, not not to derail the, your discussion, but go back to like dealing with it as an adult. And that's what we're kind of talking about. Exactly. And, you know, some of the, the identifiers that, you know, that I'm talking about right now, like one of them we just talked about was avoiding social situations. You can actually go to the other extreme where you become hyper focused on a task because you're so afraid of failure because with failure, you believe comes rejection. So you're hyper focused that you set unrealistic guidelines and unrealistic expectations and goals for yourself. And you become so hyper focused in that you get lost in that because you're afraid of failing. And because of that, sometimes people will actually stop doing that at all. So they become stagnant. They don't want to do anything like it can be immobilizing for some people. Like that's how serious it can it can get if it, you know, it goes out, you know, outside of control. And you'll even see this like People with RSD or have this, you know, sensitive uh, sensitivity to the rejection themselves can't take jokes. 
everything is so personal. It's such a personal attack because growing up, things were really personal about you. You're annoying. You keep doing this. You know, you're not doing this or people are pointing out all these things. So when anything, anything was ever said to you, it was an attack on you because they were telling you to your face. As an adult, though, that switch doesn't go off where you can just recognize yeah, it's a joke. So more often than not, what you'll see is people start making fun of themselves, self-deprecating, putting themselves down as a form of protection. So if I do it, too, it's not going to hurt as bad. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense with like a lot of the things that I've seen with you. Right. I um, mean, but with you, I don't think it's it, it's not a constant, you know. No, um, it's not. It's, it's you know, I, I think it comes with when your hormonal shifts happen. Premenstrual I, dysphoric disorder. Oh, uh, okay. It's a dysphoria. <laughs> Damn dysphoria. All right. So that makes sense. So because yeah, I see like now that you're explaining the, this, this, I see a lot of the parallels and where you come to identify with a lot of the symptoms because, you know, again, and not all the time and, and definitely you've worked on this so much within yourself that it's almost, you know, you, you don't, you don't really deal with these issues anymore, but I could definitely see now you, as you were explaining all the symptoms or, or the things that you can identify as this RSD that you've, you know, again, during those hormonal shifts, I've seen these displays. Yep. You know, if it was me, I'm going to be honest with you. I hate acronym. I, I have RSD, RSD, this, this, BPD, blah, blah, blah. We don't need to be a bunch of letters, right? So if it was me, everything that we struggle with as adults, whether it's a complex mental health diagnosis, adversities, trauma, whatever, it usually all stems from childhood. Why can't it just be complex childhood trauma disorder? You know, something along that. And the APA actually won't do that. The APA, believe it or not, will not accept that a childhood disorder as a diagnosis because it would encompass everything. So you wouldn't walk around being like, I have RSD and then this and then this and ADHD and ODD and, and you become all of this stuff. So that's what I don't want to happen with this podcast. I want people to understand that this is just a way to categorize. And that's why I'm saying it again, because this really does come from that. If you grow up in a home where when you do mess up, you do something stupid, we all do stupid stuff, but you aren't made to feel or something isn't said directed to you like, well, you're an idiot. You shouldn't have done that. Instead of like, okay, let's check this out a little bit where you can reduce that person's feeling around rejection. They can say, well, I still feel welcomed despite that that didn't make sense. You can help them start building the foundations within themselves where they can build up a little barrier. And as they get a little bit older, you then can throw a little bit of shade here and there. That's within reason that they can handle so that they can build up a tolerance to this because believe it or not, we, well, we are in a world, especially now with social media, that everything is insults. Everybody's keyboard warriors. And people don't know how to deal with that. So it's really being able to find the balance. Yeah. And you you hit it, right? We have to all find the balance and we have to figure out like how how do we overcome this? And so we're going to take a quick pause right here for a special message. And when we get back, we'll have you talk a little bit about like how, how, how to overcome these. Because like you said, we can't all be categorized. We're not all a bunch of letters. We're human beings. And we all have these faults and, and strengths about us. So when we get back, we'll talk a little bit about like, you know, again, identifying and helping to rectify these within ourselves once we've identified them. So we'll be right back. We always hear how much the podcast has positively impacted all of you. So now here's an opportunity to help us continue making content. And we've made it simple by partnering with Patreon. You can find the link in the episode description. For your subscription, we've added additional bonus incentives, which include a newsletter, access to the In It Together Patreon group, and special access to upcoming private episodes with Jay. 
For our top subscribers, you'll even get monthly access to Jay and I via Zoom. We're grateful for your support. And don't forget to keep sharing the podcast with everyone you know. Together, we can help grow the In It Together family. Now back to the podcast. So we've been talking about RSD, and hopefully now you kind of understand what it is a little bit and uh, how to identify it within yourself. So let's, I'll let you talk a little bit about like once you have identified these traits about yourself, what you can do to kind of counteract them. Yeah. So again, just to recap a little bit, right, you know, fear of rejection, you know, avoid socializing. You won't send a text message because you're afraid all it's going to come, you, you know, throw your phone across the room, small changes really disrupt you. You can't, you take everything personal. You're so afraid of what people think of you. I mean, and it manifests, right? So once you start identifying like, wow, that is me. That is me in my relationships. That is me at work. I'm so afraid that I'm always in trouble or my boss is going to write me up, whatever, right? Once and you, you always feel attacked no matter what the comment is. You always feel attacked no matter what it is. I mean, you're, you you get overly upset when people you know say things about you that you feel is an attack. So you make fun of yourself. And then there's something else here. So once you start and be like, oh my God, I think that this is me. What I'm about to talk about you know, can feel a little overwhelming. So there's something called Alexmythia, which is the struggle to be able to put into words how you're feeling, right? And that's something that people who have RSD f- struggle with. They struggle with saying, I feel, I need, this is what I'm feeling. It comes out as a bunch of jumbled stuff that does not make sense. So you're probably like, okay, so how can I work on something that I can't make sense of easily? So I want you to start with your domains. So for me, where I see that the most, because out in public, I don't care what anybody thinks about me, right? But in the home, it seems to affect me the most with you, right? So once you can identify the domain or domains that it presents the most, you then write down the scenarios and situations that you find yourself in that match up with these. So maybe it's whenever my spouse says or my boss says, hey, we have to talk after work, you automatically go to, I'm going to be rejected. They don't want to be with me anymore. I've messed up. They're going to find something else. You write that down. Now, but that happens subconsciously a lot of the times, right? So how can you identify that that's what's really going on where, you know, like some most people and I'll again, I'll use you as an example here. A lot of the times there's certain things that I say that trigger you. Right. And I can see the anxiety in you. I don't think that you are cognizant of, OK, this is this is what's going on. I think you are now. But, you know, I know back before, you know, um, we had really identified these things. I could see the anxiety in you. And this is what triggered me. Like, what's wrong? Like, you know what I'm saying? Because I, I could see your anxious level rising. And I didn't mm-hmm. think you were even aware. Um, I'm sure you were aware that you you felt a, a certain way, but I don't think you knew exactly why you were feeling that way. Alex Mythia. I wasn't connected with myself. I had no idea kind of how I was feeling. So that's why I'm saying you start with writing down your domains. Write down the commonalities of fights that you have. Like, so if you're in a relationship, maybe, again, we don't know, but we can say, always fighting about this. We seem to have lots of conversations about this. We keep seeing the same pattern. Just write down the things that you see a lot of in your relationships, right? Or in your domain and, you know, at work. You know, I'm, I'm always really feeling a certain way or getting really anxious whenever my boss says this or when an employee does this or when this happens at work. You have to really sit with yourself, okay? You need to sit with yourself and you need to start writing down where you're seeing a lot of your arguments or stressors, Okay. Then you look at and say, would this have anything to do with being rejected? Like you have to do some digging work here. You're not going to be able to, there's no magic pill for this. There's no like, just cure me of it. This is tough mental work. 
Okay. So, okay. So for example, with you, I need to talk to you about something. My first response is shit, pack your bags, time to go. He's finally rejecting you. Woo. You know, like in my head, that's what I think. Right. So it's working on understanding that every time he says that, I'm going to feel like here comes a rejection. And so it's working on creating a script for that, you know, in your head. Any other time that he said we have to talk, are my bags ready to go? What does that look like? What can I do about that? And if it's a partner of yours, you can start saying, whenever you say this, this is my automatic response. Can we have a keyword together? Or can you preface it with, don't worry, everything's okay, but I wanted to talk about something. Rejection goes down. It's really learning to communicate your needs, but you're not going to know you don't have needs if you don't sit with yourself. Go through your domains and say, where are my biggest issues? That's what I had to do. I mean, I didn't have this acronym. I didn't know that this even existed at some point, but I was really trying to figure out like, okay, where am I seeing this pop up? And then writing those things down. Yeah, I think that's important. That's just, you know, being self-aware, right? And then we talk about that all the time. Self-awareness is such a such a big part of the healing process and understanding your traumas and understanding your responses and your triggers uh, that it's, it is important to sit down and write Try to, you know, catalog everything that you know that, that it's you know. creating a map. Yeah, exactly. A map of yourself. Right. And you can you can figure self. it out. You can look at your text messages and you can go back through with your significant other and say, let me see what a lot of our arguments about. Let me see where a lot of me actually having to apologize. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry that I was just this. Let me look at my responses and let me see where these responses are coming from. It takes a little dig work. It's a little detective work, but it's worth it. Once you identify it, then you can start identifying, okay, so whenever my spouse mentioned or my boyfriend significant, whatever, mentioned these keywords or discuss scenarios of this nature, my first response is to feel like, okay, I'm being rejected. Maybe I'm self-sabotaging. Maybe I'm like, just whatever, do whatever you want. Start looking at that. And then you, cr- you, you can work on writing out an actual script. So the next time something like this happens, I'm seeing that I always respond this way, which always causes arguments. And I know now it's because of rejection. So now the next time my significant other or friend or boss says this to me, here is my script of how I want to be able to respond so I can feel good because that's going to open up dialogue and communication, right? So the next time you say to me, Hannah, I got to talk to you about something. My script that I will write out will be, okay, honey, what is it? What would you like to talk about? You can even preface it with, can you just let me know that we're okay? And you'll probably say, yeah, we're fine. We just need to talk about something. So it's just knowing how you're going to respond. How can you open up the communication? Once you do that, over time, guess what? You build up a tolerance to the things you were once super, uber, uber sensitive to. So after a while, you're retraining your amygdala in your brain to say, hey, when Courtney hears these words or hears these phrases, she wants us to respond in the following way. That's all that this is. It's a lot less complicated than what it seems. There's just a lot more work to it. Yeah. And I think it doesn't come naturally for anyone that has your type of trauma, right? You have to, like I just said, right? You have to build this emotional map of yours, right? And that that takes a lot of time and takes a lot of work. Um, but you guys are so, you know, if you when you have your sort of trauma, you're so focused on the other person on the everyone else around you that you you take away from yourself and don't take the time 
to to do that work for yourself. Get to know who you are first before you get to know anyone else. Hence the rejection. You are so focused on, is this person okay? Is everything all right? Da, da, da. And on, on just controlling the environment around you and that everything's okay, that like you said, that's and that's part of the rejection. I have to make sure that the per, that you're okay, that you're not mad at me. I have to make sure that you're fine before we can kind of like talk about this. And sometimes with RSD, you completely shut down emotionally. It doesn't matter what that person says. You're like, no, nope, your brain convinces you that you're going to be rejected. They are going to dump you. They're going to want nothing to do with you. They're going to ghost you. So you might as well just back off now and protect yourself when there's been no indication of it. And so it's knowing that and fighting against it. I think, and that goes to self-value. You have to be able to look at yourself and say, I am worthy. You know, I have value. So if someone is walking away from me, then that's their loss. And it's hard. It's easy for me to say. I have yeah, because you have, you have rad <laughs> and you have your dismissive avoidant. <laughs> but uh, we'll talk about those in a, in a different podcast. But uh, yeah. It's and I understand like understanding your point on you know after we've we've grown a lot together you know and it's as much as you've worked I've worked just as hard just to understand like the things that you go through right and it's really opened up my eyes because because these aren't things that I have to struggle with so it's very foreign to me very alien to me to think oh you know what I'm saying uh, again with me with my rad it's like oh you want to leave I'll hit the road. You know what I'm saying? I'm good. Well, with, you're already fucking self-sabotaging hey, before hey, that exactly, happens because you're like, I'm, I'm controlling yeah, exactly. this situation. I'm good with being alone. I'm like, all right, well, it's just one less thing I got to worry about. Yeah, you <laughs> keep thinking that. You keep thinking that. But but no, I'm, you know, I'm, just, I'm partly kidding. Um, and no. I'm, I'm pretty serious. <laughs> no, but you know, but yeah, for you, it's completely different, right? For you, it's like you don't want to be alone. And for most our most of our listeners, I'm 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 hold on a second. Guessing I like I like my alone time now. But my attachment was anxious attachment. So having RSD with anxious anxious attachment is awful, because you're anxiously wanting to attach what you feel you're going to be rejected from. It's, it's awful. But once you start working on that, you just realize that hey, if they walk away and they leave me, it's not because I wasn't worthy. It's just because that's part of their journey. And, you know, maybe I could have done things better or differently. And let me look at that. But that doesn't mean that I was rejected. It's just the situation didn't work out. I remember so many like arguments where it was, I just want you to concentrate on yourself. Just worry about yourself, you know, fix yourself and then, you know, stop trying to fix me. But do you know how freaking scary that is when you're afraid of rejection and all those things? Like now just, I do. Just go fix yourself. Yeah, it's like, but wait, I when do. I'm fixing myself, you're going to fucking run out the door. How am I going to see you? Like, so you have to keep in front of you what you have, you know, and it doesn't, it doesn't happen with everything. Although at one point I would see it like, oh, I think my supervisor's mad. He's pulling me into the office. We're going to, you know, this point is like, fucking pull me in the office. What are you going to do about it? I don't care. Like I've worked on all of that. You oh, know? I can see that. Yeah, absolutely. And even with you, I'm getting to the point where it's like, okay. And then there's other times where it kicks in and you have to work through it. But for me, it's like, I've seen the progression. You know, I've seen it within myself that. A lot of these things now, I used to be socially awkward. Yes, guys, me. I used to be so, I would say like the stupidest things. And then I would feel so dumb afterwards. And I would just make fun of myself and self-deprecate. And you'd be like, why are you putting yourself down? Like, not cool. Don't do that. And then I would feel worse because I was being scolded for doing that. Or someone was telling me, then it's just like, oh, it's this never ending cycle. And now it's just like, I say what I want. And even if you were like, don't say that, I'm like, eh, whatever. Like, it's, it's part of me. So I just want to give you guys like if you do what I'm just telling you to do, you will get to a point where it's like, Iris, what? 
Like you can work through this. You really can. Mental health is mental health. It's no different than physical health. Okay. Diagnoses are just manifesting symptoms of whatever's going on and whatever you've been through. That's all that it is. You are not your diagnosis. You are not RSD. You are not a rejective sensitive dysphoria person. You just struggle with rejection. You struggle with not feeling good enough. So when you work underneath and you start working on self-worth and self-compassion and being mindful and aware, the acronyms don't matter to some extent. No, they're just there as a as a guideline, right? As a kind of a, a roadmap of who we are, right? So these again, you're you're like you said, you're not your diagnosis. These are just the things that you need to overcome, unfortunately, because these are things that we, we're we're struggling with. It's just like mm-hmm. with my rad or my uh ang- my uh, whatever attachments I issues that I have, right? My irritability issues that I have, you know, my impatience that I have. All these things, they don't define me. They are part of me, but I get to define who I am. And and that's the important part. And and here's something I want to leave you with, right? And when we're talking about recognizing this, fidget toys help. Being able to fidget and move helps with your anxious energy. But there's something else that I want to teach you. When you have RSD or any of these diagnoses, we suffer from anxiety. And anxiety is just not feeling in control, the unknown, not having a plan. And you can really reduce. I've reduced. I was anxious all the time. I've reduced it now to I only become anxious when I'm not prepared. Or when something's bothering me and I haven't processed it, right? But there's a way to help with that when you have RSD and you're very anxious. You need to get your heart rate down, right? Chew a piece of gum. Digestion initiates your parasympathetic nervous system, which automatically means you have to have a reduced heart rate so that you can start digesting your food. So that's why I I realize that when I'm feeling a certain way and I'm chewing gum, I I feel a little bit less anxious. And it's because there are certain things that we can do. And again, this was just a quick little tip just to think about. But we do have more control over things than we think we do. So I just kind of wanted to say, like, start out with mapping. Start trying to figure out where you're finding these arguments. Talk to your significant others. Talk to your best friends. Hey, when do we argue the most? When do you feel that I'm, like, defensive the most? When do you feel that these things happen the most? Let me know. I'm trying to figure this out. It's just because it becomes a map. Then you start writing that stuff down. Then you develop the scripts in your head. Then you have your little fidget spinners, your gum that you chew on, whatever it is, time being more aware. Then you start digging. That's the only way to work through this. So I just hope that you guys heard this and said, okay, even if I do have this, and these are all the things I'm manifesting with, there's hope, and I'm going to get through it. Yeah, and all starts with recognizing it. That's where it all starts. Recognize your faults. Take it from there. And uh, hope you guys got something out of this podcast. Till next time. So guys, if you aren't following me already, you can find me on TikTok at Ask.Courtney, on Instagram at AskCourtney underscore, and on YouTube at AskCourtney. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future podcast, you can reach us at podcast with an S at epiphanymedia.com. We'd love to hear your stories, guys. So make sure to reach out. And as always, we're all in this together. So stay safe. Remember, there's no shame in asking for help. Till next time.